Hear me out. The year is 2045, and McAfee call scammers are still running rampant around the world. Only one man can stop them. Robo Jigsaw. Hello, and welcome to October. You're listening to Post Credits with Gil Garcia, and today we are reviewing the final Saw film, Saw 10. It's been a long marathon, but we've finally made it. Now, before we get to the review, let's take a look ahead at the upcoming film schedule that I'll be featuring on the show, starting with next week, where we'll be tackling on Ari Aster's Hereditary. On October 16th, we'll be tackling Hocus Pocus, October 23rd, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and October 30th, we have Five Nights at Freddy's, the movie. On today's episode, we have a lot of ground to cover. Not only will we be reviewing the movie, but I'll also give you two lists. I'll list my top five traps in the series, as well as my overall Saw film rankings. If this is your first episode, our film reviews follow a very simple format. I'll divide the show into three segments. We call them acts. The first act is going to cover Saw 10's plot, cast, and information, as well as my expectations going into the movie. The second act will be my film review, and it's going to be spoiler-free, so don't worry if you haven't seen Saw 10 or if you plan on seeing it. And then the third and final act will cover my filmmaking factoids, and it'll have those two lists for you, my Saw franchise film ranking and my top five favorite traps. Now here's the kicker, and this is the real hook of the podcast. If you have seen Saw 10, or if you don't care about spoilers, our post-credits discussion will be chocked full of them. So stick around after my outro song, because that's where we'll be going into the specific plot details and spoiler points that happen in Saw 10. But now, it's time for our main attraction. Does Saw 10 wash the taste of the final chapter out of our mouths? Or is it a mediocre return like Jigsaw and Spiral? Let's get our head back in the game and find out with Act 1. Alright, in Saw 10, a sick and desperate John travels to Mexico for a risky and experimental medical procedure in hopes of a miracle cure for his cancer, only to discover the entire operation is a scam to defraud the most vulnerable. Saw 10 is directed by Kevin Grutert who's returning to direct after his last two films in the franchise were Saw the Final Chapter and Saw 6. It is written by longtime writers Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger, and the film stars Tobin Bell as John Kramer, Shawnee Smith as Amanda, Sanovi Makoti Lund as Cecilia Peterson, and Stephen Brand as Parker Sears. Prior to my showtime, reviews were trickling in for Saw 10. Early Buzz was stating that it was a significant return to form for the franchise. However, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic didn't aggregate enough reviews to score it properly on their website. So we're still going into the theatrical showtime a little bit blind with just impressions that we got off of Twitter and other social media sites. But suffice to say, my interest was piqued from the few reviews that we did get to see. I was already very interested. People were saying that this was a return to form. Also, watching the rest of the nine movies before this one had me significantly more hyped, too. I think doing this marathon has just given me a greater appreciation for the Saw franchise overall. I kind of knew going into it that I was going to enjoy it no matter what. 
no matter how good or bad it was. Because, dude, I've sat through and saw the final chapter, and I actually kind of enjoyed a little bit of it. It's a bad movie, but I still enjoyed it for the most part. So, I mean, that just goes to show, like, I just love being in the world of Jigsaw. And for them to make a 2023 version of what we've seen in the Saw franchise, I was already on board with it. Now, we've talked a lot this month about how Saw's been given a bad reputation for being just torture porn, so to speak. And it stems from the fact that every film from Saw 3 onwards got extremely convoluted, it got entangled with one another, and many critics and audiences eventually were just going along for the ride, just to see what kind of crazy traps and stunts they would do. But, in case you didn't know, Saw 10 takes place between 1 and 2. Now, I know the naming convention's kind of weird, so you're going to tell people, yeah, so if you're going to watch these movies in chronological order, you're going to have to go Saw 1, then Saw 10, then Saw 2, then Saw 3 and 4. <laughs> you know, it, it makes it kind of confusing, but trust me, Saw 10 is almost the definitive second Saw movie, if you want to think of it that way. And it makes complete sense to me, especially since it gives Stolberg and Goldfinger freedom to explore more of John's psyche. You know, in the previous Saw movies, they killed him off so prematurely that his presence is almost severely missed through Saws 4 through 7, and especially in Jigsaw and Spiral. We really miss Tobin Bell. So naturally, the idea of a Jigsaw-focused picture was exactly what the Saw franchise desperately needed. So I can't contain my excitement anymore. Let's just get into Act 2 and review Saw 10. Alright, as it currently stands, Saw 10 is holding a certified fresh 85% badge on Rotten Tomatoes, which makes it without a doubt the highest rated film in the franchise. So congrats to Lionsgate and Kevin Gruder, they have a real winner on their hands here. The movie draws its strength from the performance of its lead actor, Tobin Bell. Here, Bell is really given the opportunity to showcase why Jigsaw is our beloved vigilante serial killer much in the same way that dexter was in the early 2000s <laughs> now the film follows his struggles to find a life-saving treatment for his brain cancer and in his desperation john ventures to mexico for an experimental surgery the surgery isn't all it's cracked up to be as john discovers he's been scammed by a vile crew of con men now i really really liked saw 10 it feels far more complete far more focused higher in quality, and just emotionally more investing than any of the previous movies. By reverting back to its roots, Saw 10 becomes a character study more than it is a by-the-numbers horror film, so to speak. We really begin to empathize with John's predicament as time is running out for him and his work. He is given two months to live, and so he is just trying to live out the two months of his life by leaving his legacy to Amanda and Hoffman. Now, some people will point out the obvious aging that has happened to the stars of the movie. It has been nearly about 20 years since the first movie, after all. So, Shawnee Smith will receive most of the criticism for this, as well as Tobin Bell. But, for Tobin Bell, his age actually plays into his disheveled, deteriorating health aesthetic. Bell's appearance really made me sympathize with the grave situation that John was put in. He also gives an extremely strong performance at that. From the scenes where John is attending a cancer patient support group, to his one-on-one -on -one lessons with Amanda, 
And Tobin Bell is truly doing something special with this character this time around. But let's not get too sappy. Jigsaw is a murderer after all. <laughs> His emotional vulnerability evaporates when he's in control. That calm, cool, and calculated, intimidating presence that we've all come to know and love from Jigsaw is even more impactful in this movie because we actually get to empathize with him throughout the entire runtime. Him going from this vulnerable, openly crying old man who is at the end of his life to being this really sycophant, dark, twisted murderer. It is a nice little twist on Jigsaw that I came to appreciate. Even though he's more vulnerable emotionally, unlike any film before it, Jigsaw is also more vengeful and more angry. The victims here are way more deserving of the torture than any that we've seen before. Well, at least since uh, Saw 4 with the, uh, the sexual predator in the hotel room. Now, speaking of victims... Another big departure from any Saw movie is that this movie is solely from the perspective of Jigsaw. We don't really get to care about the participants of these traps because they're not good people. They are legitimately scums of the earth. These are people that are taking advantage of the sick, the elderly, and those that are terminally ill. And they're taking them for all that they have left. So when they're in these traps, for the first time, we're actually rooting for them to fail. We don't care or root for them to win in these traps because we know that they're just going to revert back to their old ways. And in fact, we're just hoping to see them fail. Now, in my review of Saw 6, I mentioned that William, who was the health insurance executive, went through a bit of a character journey from an unlikable opportunist of a man to begging for forgiveness for the things that he did as a health care provider. You know, he got pleasure in turning people down for their health care benefits only to see that later on they would be the same people that would make the fate of his life. His arc makes his untimely demise tragic, yet very well earned. And that was one thing I, I did like about Saw 6. His character arc is way more meaningful because we actually get to care and know where this character has come from, only for him to get his life snuffed out because of his tortured past. Now, Saw 10's victims are so antagonistic and adversarial of John Kramer that we develop a true hatred for them throughout the course of this film. There's no character arcs here. You tend to sympathize with them just because of the grotesque horror that's at hand. But as for the characters themselves, the personalities, the, the rough nature of what they're doing, you end up just saying, fuck these guys. <laughs> now, I mentioned the first rule of horror films in last week's episode. And that rule is that we have to grow to care about a horror character before they get killed off. The same rule can be applied to characters that we dislike. If they are written cleverly enough, a cathartic death can feel just as gratifying as a tragic one. And this movie has plenty of cathartic deaths. You really do hate these guys that are coming after John Kramer's life savings, and you really wish for the worst for them. The cast may not be recognizable or famous, but I think the characters of Cecilia, Gabriella, Matteo, and Valentina, they're all performed very well. And huge kudos to the actors that portray them. They were fantastic in this movie. They really got you to sympathize and hate them simultaneously at the same time. If you're a fan of the series, you obviously know what follows for John and Amanda following this movie. The story has a tight grip on the timeline of events this time around, and it does a decent job of avoiding some lore-breaking plot holes. In fact, one of the things I enjoyed about this movie the most 
are the references and the hints at the future films. Shawnee Smith does a really good job as Amanda in this movie. Amanda's character is in her early stages of her apprenticeship with Jigsaw, so she is a lot more angrier, a lot more unhinged, and we get some intimate and emotional sequences between her and John. We do get some lessons uh, that will later come to play in Saw 3 and Saw 2, including one where she's told to check her emotions, let go of her similarities with Gabriella, because Gabriella is also a junkie. And Shawnee Smith is just really good in this movie. She's another huge standout for me. She's extremely entertaining whenever she's on screen. And what's crazy is that in her first appearance in the movie, the people in the audience that I went to the movie with almost applauded when she came on screen. And that's weird because we all knew that she was in the movie. She's in the trailer, for God's sakes. But we couldn't help but feel the excitement of seeing her on screen and return in such a situation that she was in. It was absolutely awesome. I didn't even think that this Saw series can pull off an Avengers-style applause, you know? It was kind of interesting to see. Uh, but before I talk about things I disliked about Saw 10, I want to give a huge and tremendous congratulations to Kevin Gruder, Josh Stolberg, and Pete Goldfinger. What they were able to do here with this movie is extremely special. This is unlike any other Saw movie you've ever seen before. Now, my biggest complaints about the later half of Saw movies was that these movies felt cheap, hollow, and they almost reeked of amateur filmmaking. Saw 10 is almost the complete opposite. It's as mature and well-constructed as you can get. The writing and directing is a major step up. This movie is very competently made. The shots of Mexico are beautiful, they're purposeful, and the traps are thrilling and heart-pounding. And to be honest, the gore is actually kept to a very small minimum here. It's not a hard movie to watch either. I know a lot of people will think, uh, oh, it's a Saw movie, it's just all about torture porn and all about blood and gore and guts. But actually, this movie kind of reserves back from that. You don't get as much gore and as many grotesque scenes as you have in the past. This is kept to a minimum so that it's way more palatable for audiences all over the place. And well done, guys. This is a really good film. I I really enjoyed it. Kudos to Kevin Gruder, Josh Stolberg, and Pete Goldfinger. This was totally unexpected. (laughs) So, obviously, I've been gushing about this movie a lot for this whole episode. But I don't want you to think that it's a perfect film. It does have a couple problems. Now, although you may be enraptured in Jigsaw's turmoil and humanity, you may be presented with a break in logic, where you'll remember that Jigsaw is a murderer. One of these lapses in logic happens in the middle of the film when John is dealing with a young boy in his tricycle. Listener of the show, Phil, points out that John and Amanda are supposed to be anti-heroes. They're not supposed to be saints. So I can't help but agree. There's literally a scene where John goes up to a little kid in Mexico, sees that his tricycle is is broken, and then he just fixes it for him and uh, teaches him a word in Spanish. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, he's right. They're not supposed to be saints. These are still murderers at hand. So it's kind of funny that you'll have a moment where you're like, wait a minute, these guys twist off someone's head eventually. (laughs) Oh, man. The focus on Amanda and John can sometimes come across a bit too cheesy and heroic, especially because they paint such a big adversarial antagonistic light on Cecilia and her partners to the point where Cecilia and all the other characters in Mexico are almost like mustache twirling villains. (laughs) That's just a small gripe. 
you do get immersed in this movie quite quickly, so that break in logic may or may not happen to you. But for me, I couldn't help but think of it when I saw him dealing with that little kid. I was like, wait a minute. That guy's going to go on to kill like 50 people. <laughs> now, prior to this movie, dream sequences have always been kept to a minimum. There actually has only been one dream sequence that I could think of. And that was a scene where Jill Tuck imagines that Hoffman is going to split her open with a train trap. However, this movie features a second dream sequence, and you'll know it when you see it. Now, I understand the significance of giving the audience a deeper look inside the mind of John Kramer with this dream sequence, but the reveal that a certain trap didn't really happen is kind of a big bummer for me. I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah, that was a huge letdown and um, something that I kind of hold against the film a little bit. It, It refrains it from being like an absolute 10 out of 10 film. Now, another thing that's a big letdown is that there's virtually nowhere to go from here for the franchise. It felt like this movie is so far superior in its craftsmanship than any of the other movies that came before it that being a prequel of sorts kind of gives this movie a a bit of finality. I can't help but want more movies like this from the Saw franchise, but I just don't think that they could accomplish that successfully. If they tried to make a Saw 10-2 or a Saw... 1.6 or Saw 11 or whatever. I don't think it's going to come out as well as this. This was like the Logan of Saw movies, which I think is a pretty good analogy, actually. (laughs) Now, Saw 10 really feels like an anomaly of sorts. In a movie franchise that is so universally lauded and panned, this movie carries a lot of weight to it. It carries a lot of stigmas, but it manages to subvert everyone's expectations from the franchise. And 10 really restored the feeling I had when I watched the first movie back in 2004. It also brought a fresh, brand new perspective for me, too. And because of that, this movie blew me away in nearly every aspect. In its aesthetics, its performances, and even in the tension that uh, most of the scenes had. Throughout most of the movie, I had a tough time believing that I was even watching a Saw movie, if I'm honest with you guys. (laughs) Uh, So, with all that being said, Saw 10 gets a solid 4.5 out of 5 rating from me. It feels strange to say in 2023, but I cannot endorse this movie enough. If you love the Saw franchise, you owe it to yourself to go out and watch this movie in theaters. And I'm likely going to buy this movie on 4K Blu-ray when it comes out. So, there we have it. I have officially fully reviewed all 10 Saw films. Next up, we're going to rank them all in a segment that I call Act 3. So, let's not beat around the bush. This franchise has had some remarkable highs and some embarrassing lows, traversing from the horror genre to an action movie in some parts. Here is my official Saw film ranking, starting from the bottom. At number 10, we have Saw 5. Saw 5 is my least favorite film in the series because it's highly forgettable, extremely subvertive from the regular franchise plotline, and it features the least number of traps and the least relevant trap trial. The cat and mouse between Hoffman and Strom is fine, but there really isn't much else to the movie that's memorable. At number 9, I have Saw the Final Chapter, otherwise known as Saw 3D or Saw 7. The Final Chapter is the worst Saw movie in the way that it's produced, it's acted, and it's written. 
However, it's so absurd and inept in the way that it's made that it's vastly more fun to watch, <laughs> especially more than Saw 5 anyhow. But I couldn't help but shake the feeling that this film felt very cheap and way below the standard of other Saw films at the time. With that being said, Saw the Final Chapter is number 9. At number 8, I have Saw 4. Saw 4 isn't egregiously offensive or hard to watch, it's just very mediocre. And it follows Detective Rig as he races to find Detective Eric Matthews. Rig is a blank slate of a character who makes poor decision after poor decision. The finale is pretty much the only memorable part of the movie. And it marks the emergence of Detective Mark Hoffman, which is another plus, but still, it's not enough to redeem the entire film. And number seven, we have Saw 3. This movie followed a character by the name of Jeff, whose game revolves around him forgiving the people involved in the murder of his child. Jeff meanders around and fumbles his way to Jigsaw and Amanda, only to fail his test. Slow-ass motherfucking Jeff, <laughs> as we call him, is a very unlikable protagonist. And it really deters from the fine story that's going on with John, Amanda, and Lynn. I bumped this film up a grade because of the awesome traps it has, including the pig vac, the rack, and the angel trap. Saw 3 could have been the final Saw movie, since it kills off Jigsaw and Amanda. But instead, it serves as a singular movie that boxed the franchise into a corner. Alright, at number 6, we have Jigsaw. This is a controversial pick. A lot of horror film enthusiasts absolutely hate this film. They dislike the modernization of some of the traps and the style of the film, even retconning in Logan into knowing John Kramer before Saw 1, and that became a huge red flag for the continuity and the community of the franchise. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Perhaps it's recency bias since I had watched the final chapter just hours before this. I found Jigsaw to be a huge step up in production value and writing, and overall, it may have been a lackluster return for the franchise, but it was at least better off than Saw 3 and 4. At number 5, I have Saw 6. Saw 5 was such a massive disappointment for me. Saw 6, however, really stood out on my rewatch because it was so much better than 5 in my opinion. Saw 6 has a great collection of traps, one of which is going to be on my top 5, spoiler alert. A pretty good trap protagonist, and the revelations involving Mark Hoffman finally come to a head in this movie. Saw 6 is highly underrated, and it's sneakily the best of the Hoffman era. Now at number 4, we have Spiral from the Book of Saw. Another controversial pick, Spiral from the Book of Saw took a bunch of risks for the franchise, placing the viewer in the perspective of a beat cop who is thrust into a copycat jigsaw puzzle. The inclusion of Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock is a big pain point for most viewers. Some people think that they break the immersion of the grounded horror universe by having these big AAA actors in there, but I actually think it was a much-needed injection into bringing credibility back into the brand. Your enjoyment of this film will stem on your willingness to buy into Chris Rock as a serious actor. And yes, he has some strong moments, but he also has some Razzie-worthy moments. I don't think it deters from the overall aesthetic or what they were going for in this film, and I found it to be a lot more engaging than Saw's 4 through 6. So Spiral from the Book of Saw is number 4 on my list. And now for my top 3. At number 3, I have Saw 2. The more I sat on this movie, 
it's weird. The, the more I began to love it, <laughs> there was even a night where I nearly convinced myself to retcon my review score from, you know, the very first September episode. And I kind of wanted to place it above Saw 1. Ultimately, I stuck to my guns. Saw 2 is a fantastic film, and it works on a fundamental level as a worthy successor to the breakout hit that started it all. The house is an amazing setting for a series of traps, and I appreciated this installment's game within a game subversion. Some people would rank Saw 2 as number one on their list. I don't disagree or blame them. This movie is an absolute banger. I could probably rewatch Saw 2 hundreds of times without getting tired of it. I love this movie, but unfortunately, it is not my favorite of the series. Now, for number two, we are back where it all began. Number two on my countdown is Saw, the original. Two men, one bathroom, one way out. A complex game of wits and wills that define their character and morality. The original Saw is an absolute classic. From the low-budget concept to the massive commercial success, this franchise would not have taken off if it weren't for such a unique and interesting world it built. I'll still never forget the moment that the reveal that John Kramer was laying on the floor the entire time, and it was an absolute mindfuck. This movie really is a classic horror film. Now, the number one movie on my Saw rankings list. And it's not because of recency bias. My favorite Saw film of all time is Saw 10. This isn't just because Rotten Tomatoes told me so either. I firmly believe that Saw 10 is an absolute triumph for the series. When people were asking, man, why are they making another one? This movie firmly shuts them the fuck up. It gives us the best emotional story arc in the entire series while also working completely well on its own merit. Saw 10 roughly edges out Saw 1 as my favorite movie in the franchise. So that's my top 10. I want to hear from you guys. What was your personal Saw film franchise ranking? Let me know on social media and we could discuss that even further. (laughs) I'm sure to have stirred up a few bees in the honeycomb with uh, my rankings, but I I stick by my rankings. I really do believe in my list. (laughs) Now, of course, the series wouldn't be what it is today if it weren't for the traps. Let's take a few minutes to go over my five favorite traps in the Saw franchise. Starting with number five, I have the Silent Circle from Saw the Final Chapter. The Silent Circle is an absolutely brutal trap that required the final chapter's protagonist, Bobby, to rip a key out from his assistant's intestines. The key is tied to a fishing hook that will rip apart her stomach and intestines as he pulls it out of her throat. It would be a lot higher on the list for me, if it were part of a better film, but I do appreciate it for even being in the franchise. I love the use of the decibel meter here, and the fact that she has to remain silent as he's doing this. It adds a lot of tension, it almost makes you hold your breath while you're watching the film. This was definitely the best scene in Saw the Final Chapter, in my opinion. It blows everything else that happened to that movie way out of the water, so Saw the Final Chapter does deserve a spot on my list just because of this trap alone. At number four, I have the rack from Saw 3. Slow-ass motherfucking Jeff has to retrieve a key from a shotgun case in order to prevent his son's murderer from being twisted apart. The thing that stood out to me the most about this trap is the shot of Timothy's head facing in the opposite direction. It's absolutely horrifying and grotesque, and the thought of someone being twisted apart is 
I don't know whose mind came up with that, but it's so twisted and disgusting. It's amazing, actually. <laughs> so the rack from Saw 3 is number four. And number three, I have the pig vat, also from Saw 3. I wasn't kidding when I said Saw 3 had some bangers. This is a bit of a curveball in most people's rankings. But the pig vat is the least gory trap in the list, but also the most disgusting. A judge in Timothy's trial is bathed and drowned in liquefied pig carcasses, while Jeff must burn his dead son's possessions in order to get the key to get the judge free. Not only is the vat disgusting, but destroying your child's possessions is probably the most mentally destructive wind condition in the entire series. Sitting on the thought of going through the mental pain elevated this one for me. Just the thought of having to burn your kids like soccer trophies or their favorite stuffed animal. It's it's really kind of tragic. And if you sit with that for a little bit, it, it will tend to fuck with you. That's That's a really horrible thing to have to do. It's absolutely phenomenal. I like this trap a lot. And the fact that it's winnable too. Jeff actually gets the judge free here. So kudos for that. And number two, I have the needle pit from Saw 2. From the minute I saw this one again, I knew it was making the list. This trap is so fucked up. The fact that it wasn't even designed for Amanda makes her being the person to sift through the needle stack that much more horrific to watch. We know at this point that she's a junkie, that she's survived one of Jigsaw's traps before. Mentally, it's fucked up, and physically seeing all the needles go through her arms is crazy to me. It might have triggered a few people in the theater while they were watching this, too. It also goes on my firm belief that the simplest traps are usually the best ones in the franchise, and the needle pit hits that mark perfectly. And now, the number one trap of Saw. This one's probably going to be my most controversial pick to date. My favorite trap in all of Saw is the steam maze from Saw 6. The steam maze blew me away. (laughs) And some of you already know how much I gush about this trap. I completely forgot that it even existed before my marathon, and I'm glad I kind of got to revisit it. The cooperative mechanics of the trap kind of amaze me. William and Debbie must close off steam pipes to get to the end of the maze, only for Debbie to realize that she had to cut through William to get to the key for her survival. It's intense, it's visceral, and it gets back to what made the original Saw great, that it's a puzzle game. Two people have to work together for their survival. And the Steam Maze, it's very underrated, it's underappreciated, but I absolutely love this. I love the cooperative mechanics here, and it does feel very winnable too. The Steam Maze is hands down my favorite trap in all of Saw. Now, some of you may have noticed that I left iconic traps like the reverse bear trap, the Venus fly trap, and the shotgun carousel off my list. I can assure you, they were definitely in the running to make it, though. The reverse bear trap, however, it got knocked off the list because of its constant usage throughout the franchise. We've seen the bear trap used three times in Saw 1, Saw 6, and Saw the Final Chapter. For me, it kind of outstayed its welcome, unfortunately. There's also the bathroom game from Saw 1. That also got disqualified just by being unfair and by being used three times in the franchise. Adam got completely screwed over by having the key in the tub right at the start of Saw 1. Eric Matthews ended up having to use a loophole to get out of the restroom. And then Mark Hoffman gets left inside the bathroom at the end of Saw the Final Chapter. It's another one where they went to the well too many times and it kind of ruined the mystique of it all. 
So sadly, the reverse bear trap in the bathroom game, they don't quite make the list this time around. So what were your favorite traps? How does your ranking list look? Make sure to let me know on social media. On social media, you can find me on X and Instagram with the same username on each. It's PC with Gil. Now there's one final thing to get to before we head to our post-credit spoiler discussion of Saw 10, and that is our filmmaking factoids. The first filmmaking factoid that I have for you is that the experimental cancer treatment that John seeks out in this film is presumably the same treatment that he sought for and was denied by the insurance company in Saw 6. This further is solidified by the fact that in Saw 6, John mentions that it's located in Norway, which is where Cecilia's father is allegedly doing his own work. That's some really cool lore building and references for any Saw fans, so I really appreciated that factoid. The eye vacuum trap. It's the first trap in the franchise designed not to kill its victim, but it's designed to maim them. Obviously, if you get your eyeball sucked out, it's going to hurt a lot and you're obviously not going to be able to see anymore, but it won't exactly kill you. It's just going to maim you. And I thought that was kind of (laughs) interesting. Now, some eagle-eyed audiences may have noticed that right as the film starts, the Lionsgate logo is decidedly retro. That's because in this film, Lionsgate brought back their Red Gears logo for this film. The last time that logo was used for a movie was before Saw 3D, or the final chapter. (laughs) Really cool reference right there. And then my final factoid for you. Despite his cold, mean demeanor, this is the first film in the franchise in which John Kramer openly cries on screen. I would have never thought of that. I thought he would have done it before he died in Saw 3, but I guess this is the first time we actually see that. It's kind of interesting. So that is all I have for filmmaking factoids. I want to thank every one of you for embarking on this month-long marathon of Saw films. I had an incredible time talking about these films with you. Your support and feedback have been amazing, and I can't wait to show you what happens next in October. Next week, we'll begin with a completely new film, and that will be Ari Aster's Hereditary. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify so that you don't miss an episode. If you don't want to be spoiled on Saw 10, I suggest that you pause the show right now and come back after you're done with the movie. After my outro song, we're going straight into spoilers. So, if this is it for you, I'm Gil, and I recommend you go catch a movie. This is a spoiler alert. This is a spoiler alert. And welcome back. Let's get back to the show and talk about Saw 10's plot spoilers. I mentioned that there was a dream sequence in the movie that I found a bit jarring, and that sequence was the eye vacuum. The eye vacuum is so prominently featured in the marketing of this movie, being on the poster, being in the trailers... And it's just completely shocking to me that it's just an imaginary thought inside of John's head. 
it accentuates the point that John is obsessing over his newly found hobby, but furthering his moral code that everyone deserves a chance. John's moral code is ultimately the heart of the series, and this movie in particular. That personal touch to this movie not only makes it the slowest and least action-packed film in the entire franchise, but also I found it weird that it takes over an hour to actually get into a trap sequence. Halfway through the first act, I even had to catch myself and say to myself, wait, is this a Saw movie? <laughs> and that's because of how good it is. It, I'm not just saying that because I wanted like blood and guts everywhere. I legitimately thought for a second, like, man, this is some pretty good character work. Like, holy shit, this is unlike anything we've ever seen before in Saw. And I was really digging it. I was really immersed in it. <laughs> but yeah, that eye vacuum scene, it was really cool to look at. But at the same time, it not being an actual trap kind of hurts a little bit. Because this movie has so few far traps in between that that one not being a real trap kind of hurts the overall horror aesthetic of it all. But it's not earth shattering to me. It's not going to like break my immersion. I found it to be a bit of false advertising, if we could say it that way. But it doesn't hurt my overall opinion of the film. Speaking of the traps, there are seven traps included in Saw 10, not talking about the eye vacuum. Those seven traps include the pipe bomb, which was performed on Diego, the wire saw trap for Valentina, the Aztec mask trap, which was done on Mateo, the radiation blaster, which was done on Gabriella, the bloodboarding seesaw, which has John and the little kid on, and then there's the gas chamber that had Cecilia and Parker in, and that was ultimately the climax of the film. That was the end of the film. There's also one trap on the list that happens during the mid credit scene. Spoiler alert for those of you who may have left right as the credits started to roll, but in the mid credit scene, there is one more trap, and it is called the disembowelment trap. <laughs> we'll talk about that more in a second. But even though most of these traps only occur in the third act, I think they're well worth the wait. Of the seven that are here on display, my favorite would have to be the wire saw trap. Seeing Valentina saw through her own leg was really nerve-wracking and disgusting. Ultimately, it results in her not being able to complete the task anyway, so she chops off her leg for no reason. She ends up failing. But it's another one of those traps where simplicity is king. The trap was extremely excruciating to watch, but it seemed as if it were winnable. Which then leads me to the trap that I like the least, which is the Aztec mask trap. A lot of people will say that this was the best part of the movie. I disagree. I think even though the result of this trap was insanely cool, and when the mask closes up and seeing it as this Aztec mask, it's really cool looking. But I found it to be unfair. Now, I know that the trap was designed to be meaningful to the story. Obviously, John was tricked by Mateo into thinking that he actually performed cranial surgery on John. And now for him to reverse it on Mateo and have Mateo have to perform cranial surgery on himself, it's kind of justified and interesting. But I do still think that it borderlines on just being unfair. Mateo must perform a lobotomy on himself and hope that his brain matter dissolves in under three minutes or else the Aztec mask will close and he'll be scalded to death. It's a cool looking trap, don't get me wrong. Just the fact that it's a bit unfair kind of brought it down a little bit for me. Now this brings us to the mid-credits trap, the disembowelment trap. 
I knew in the middle of the film that Costas Mandalore was going to make an appearance in the film one way or another. They hinted at him being on the phone with John in the middle of the second act, and they even play his voice in the finale when they're going over the plot twist. However, the biggest payoff of the film came during the mid credit scene when we see John and Mark Hoffman both together in the iconic bathroom with Henry Kessler being strung up. Henry is obviously the man who began this whole unfortunate chain of events. He misled John and other survivors into believing that Cecilia's treatment was going to help cure them. So when we see him with that spider-like mechanism on his chest, we knew he was going to get what was coming for him. It was very gratifying to watch. Also, seeing Casas Mandalore in the flesh reprising his role with such a fantastic moment, I thought it was completely badass. And I love the quote he says to Henry. He says, Out of all the men to cheat, you pick John Kramer. I mean, I call that epic bad luck. <laughs> what a satisfying and badass moment for both John and Mark. It was awesome to see Hoffman again. And this is coming from a person who didn't really like the Hoffman character that much, but I think I appreciated him more on this rewatch now. So Shawnee Smith was also a point of a lot of controversy with this film. I mentioned that Tobin Bell's aging added to his appearance and it made John Kramer look that much more like he was dying. But Amanda's aging, and her hairstyle in particular, made her look kind of awkward. She looked like a 50-year-old woman pretending to be a 25-year-old, you know? It was kind of weird. Obviously, Reddit threads and everyone on the internet was going crazy about it. Ultimately, I just shut off the noise, and I suspended my belief a little bit so that I could immerse myself in the story that they were telling here. Plus, it helps that Shawnee Smith was actually very good in this film, after a while, you just ignore the fact that she's aged out of her role a bit and that she has a weird haircut, and you just buy into her character just being this unhinged, angry character just looking for her mentor. And Shawnee Smith was absolutely fantastic reprising her role as Amanda. Now, if you listened to the first September episode, I mentioned that in Saw 3, one of my biggest issues was that it insinuated that John and Amanda kind of had a weird romantic slash sexual attraction towards one another, or that there was this like jealous relationship going on between John and uh, Lynn, and that Amanda was getting more protective of John. But I think what this movie does well is it definitively defines their relationship as platonic, and most importantly, maternal. When John confesses that he'll die in a matter of months, you can really read into Shawnee's face that she's expressing grief for her father figure, not for a lover. And I really enjoyed that. I loved the back and forth between John and Amanda in this movie. They had really good chemistry, and you could tell that not just the characters, but the actors really care for each other. They've been through a lot in this film franchise, and that was uh, good to see them together. It was great. Now, I don't know if this movie would have worked if it were released chronologically as the true Saw 2, but after this much time away from John and Amanda, I really began to empathize with them, despite them being this horribly misguided pair of socio and psychopaths. <laughs> uh, and it's particularly for that reason that I gravitated to this movie so much. I would have never thought I would have gotten sentimental over two horror characters like this, but they make it work. Saw really doesn't work if it doesn't include Tobin Bell, and Saw 10 gives us the most Tobin since Saw 2, and then some. But like all good Saw movies, we have to mention the plot twist. 
Towards the finale of the film, we've come to realize that John and Amanda have seemingly been led on by false cancer survivor Parker Sears, and he arrives at the compound when Cecilia manages to get her cell phone, using Valentina's corpse to retrieve it. Parker Sears' deception was pretty obvious to me, but the way it plays out carried on a bit differently than I was expecting. It leads to John, for the first time ever, being placed in his own trap and getting waterboarded, along with the little boy that he met earlier in the film. The waterboarding trap looked to be about fatal for John and the child, but we learned that it was all just an elaborate calculation by Jigsaw to apprehend both Cecilia and Parker. John then locks them in the upstairs office, ventilates it with an incredibly powerful poison gas, and then leaves them to fight amongst themselves for the only breathable mouth opening. The gas then deteriorates their flesh, Parker is instantly killed, and Cecilia is left to die either by the gas or by starvation. Now, to some people, the placement of John in the trap doesn't elevate the stakes, since we all know that he's going to survive this film, because he lives on to the next two. But to me, the payoff of the twist is in its execution that the child was part of it too. It shows that Jigsaw is still a bit twisted in his mind, that he's willing to endanger a child, but also that he's cool and as calculated as ever, (laughs) and that he's already a step ahead of the game each step of the way. So that is it. Bravo to Tobin Bell, Shawnee Smith, Kevin Grudert, and the writers for such an amazing turnaround for the Saw franchise. I wouldn't have expected this movie to be as meaningful and as great as it is, but they managed to pull it off. And that's going to do it for me this week. If you have any questions, remarks, or wished for me to cover something that I did miss, be sure to reach out to me on YouTube or social media. I will be back next week with Ari Aster's Hereditary. And now, I can finally say that our Saw Marathon is game over.